Welcome to the Getting Past the Premium Podcast, where we focus on breaking down risk management problems bit by bit until we find a solution. Enjoy today's episode and be sure to follow us for weekly content. All right, welcome back to Getting Past the Premium, everybody. We've got a special fun episode on for today with Chase Courtney with IPFS. Chase, thanks for joining today. How are you? Uh, Elliot, uh, pleasure to be here. I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, yeah, so as we were talking before the show, you know, we met at Indie Tech and quickly geeked out on everything sales and value prop related for our clients and uh, decided, yeah. you know, we better continue this this conversation in a recorded fashion so that we can get it out to everybody. So here we are, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I it, it was a fresh breath of air to, you know, have somebody to geek out on um, sales <laughs> methodologies and theories and the art and science of sales. I mean, I can do that all day. It's, it's, it's fun stuff. Yeah. So why don't you give everybody your, your background and then tell them who IPFS is for those that may not know, which is probably somebody living under a rock, but just in case they don't give them, you know, the, the, the who you guys are and what you do. Yeah. All right. So all right, my background. Well, so um, I'll start with, my role here at IPFS and, uh, and I'll say at and done as well too. And I'll get into that here in a moment. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I'm the director of technology sales. Um, I was brought here really because of my background. And so, uh, to, to really kind of start my career, I'm, I, I call myself a recovering CPA. Uh, so I actually started <laughs> with, with, uh, with Ernst and Young. Oh Lord. Uh, 2011. Um, and trust me, I'm not the CPA type, yeah. um, but, uh, I, you know, I just happened to be good at accounting, saw a lot of opportunity and, um, really what that brought me in, what that brought me into was really a unique space to build tax technology systems for private equity firms. Oh, wow. Uh, so my, my, my foray into technology was really with the big four. Um, and it was building tax technology systems for private equity firms. Um, and so, quickly learning how to use a foundational base of knowledge to then apply that to not only the building of solutions, but also understanding, you know, what, what resonates in value. And then I've always had a little bit of a salesperson in me and being, how do, how do you apply, how do you apply, you know, your foundational knowledge mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to really help sell a particular product. So that started with Ernst and Young, but then that evolved into a consulting role where they, um, uh, Ernst and Young had this brilliant idea to bring uh, a bunch of engineers from uh, GE to uh, teach Lean Six Sigma. Uh, uh-huh. And the problem is, is when the engineers got there, they said, well, hold on, what does a big four accounting firm do? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got brought in to help uh, uh, lead the go-to-mark services uh, for that, for that, the Global Continuous Improvement Group, which is, sounds really con- uh, a lot of consultant. And then that really helped kind of, okay, my that was, I would say, my first taste of sales. Yeah. Then where it, where things really took the next level is I, I left Ernst & Young and went to a company called Workiva, which uh, was the first company to build cloud, uh, be, where a company would have the ability to file their SEC filings and external financial uh, reporting into the cloud. So that was an insane idea in 2009, you know, my most sensitive financial data going into a, what, a cloud yeah. and a uh, fantastic company, can't speak more highly of it. And there I had a VP of sales and I love them to death. and we were like this experiment where they brought all these CPAs into a room that had the intangibles to sell. And he uh, basically said, I'm going to beat the consulting out of all of you. It's, it's, I think it verbatim is what he said. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I he had, you say that. 
Oh yeah. And he just, uh, he brought us through, I mean, we would be driving down the road and he would call, you know, at any moment and uh, just start role playing. And then (laughs) very, very Nick Saban like. And I would really say that's really where the rubber met the road for me in terms of sales and my passion for it. And really my understanding of all the different methodologies. Well, Lo and behold, IPFS has this opportunity come up. To be honest, I didn't want to leave WorkEva, but um, uh, it, this was such a unique opportunity, especially when you looked at where the insurance space was about mm-hmm. 17 years behind uh, FinTech. So, you know, I kind of yep. had a view of what was already going to happen and what was happening. And um, essentially, you know, everybody knows IPFS is the, the you know, the stalwart in premium finance. And uh, it's a blessing and it's a curse because... Again, we have the brand equity within this space, but at the same time, we're kind of the dusty old premium finance company. That, <laughs> uh, and 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 then that's really not the case. And we spent a lot of our time trying to you know reset everybody's uh, minds on really what can IPFS do. Um, and really, my role coming in here was helping sell um, the technology is very generic technology solutions and features and capabilities that they were doing. But how do we, how do I better enable premium finance sellers who historically brought boxes of cookies and rates? And don't get me wrong. There's, Mm -hmm. there's fantastic premium finance sellers out there, but you know, that's what that industry is known for. So how do you bring this SaaS sales mindset, this, this idea of being a trusted advisor, really understanding technology and then being able to apply that functionality to bringing value to a customer how do you how do you do that? And so that was part of my role, to which then um, I will tell you where my role is now is primarily focused on and done. And and done is a wholly uh, owned subsidiary of IPFS. It is a payments company that was started to uh, really process all of IPFS's payments and the um, really because they wanted to consolidate their service infrastructure. So LA, you call about payment. We don't want to have to sit on hold like uh, you know, for a third payment pay, uh, payment processor. Um, we want to control and own those uh, mm-hmm. that experience for the benefit of our customers. Well, we saw the opportunity to really b- provide more value as becoming a more a major player in this space. If you think about it, we processed twenty billion dollars over twenty billion dollars already just out of the IPFS alone. So to build a payfac infrastructure that can handle that. I mean, the infrastructure is there. It was just yeah. really about putting the tech layer and the sales aspect of it. So I, huh. I now primarily oversee all of the sales business and strategy related to our payments company called Ann Dunn. So I have my hand in all the pies here. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. So the, so walk into a little bit of your, I guess, what you experienced going to IPFS when you were you know, trying to help. You mentioned making this change, taking that SaaS you know, sales methodology of providing value to clients um, and bringing it to uh, IPFS or some of the things you guys were dealing with. Talk through that a little bit. What did you experience? What were some of the things that you found successful that you implemented? You know, walk through Because I think that that's what a lot of agents deal with, right? Is I'm used to selling a product based on price, coverage, carrier selection, whatever. And, you know, that's getting harder and harder to do by the day, especially when you're in a hard market, right? So how do I make this shift to selling based on value, you know, to the client? So I I think a couple of things. I think there was, uh, I think technology was seen as that's too complicated and and we know it brings value, but that's, uh, we had a customer success team that was really retrofitted to do technology sales, which we kind of had to unwind all of that. But, you know, at, at its core, I think what I saw was premium finance sellers not taking the opportunity to really deeply understand, first of all, all of the features and functionality that our solutions can bring. 
and then do lack of discovery through lack of discovery, not really understanding. So you kind of got a twofold thing. You're not, you don't really understand the things that really bring value. And if you don't understand the features and functionalities, you also don't understand what your differentiators are amongst your competition. And I, and I think not taking the time to understand what your differentiators are amongst your competition and really doing a, a true competitive analysis, like, you know, I'm just going to stick for premium finance for a moment, but you know, yeah. what is first insurance doing out there? What's AFCO doing? What, what solutions, you know, what are the things that resonates with their solutions versus ours? I think not taking the time to really understand that was one, uh, you know, another aspect of it. And then I also think that, like I said, I go back to lack of discovery. If you're going to be a trusted advisor, I mean, boy, you, you need to understand your 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 client. Your, Amen. Uh, as much, <laughs> you know, is better than they know themselves. Yeah. Um, if, if you're going to steer them in a direction that's going to bring value, then, I mean, how do you do it? You know, I, here's, here's what the term that I put, and I put it on a big slide at our big national summit sales. Stop throwing up and uh, stop showing up and throwing up is what yeah, I said. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Stop showing up and throwing up. And what I meant by that was, you know, they, you know, people come in and they, we got this and we got this and we got this and we got this and we got this. Do you like it? Do you want it? Do you got it? You know, and that's just not a value add conversation for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I call that feature launching. Let's just take, take every feature that, you know, we have and let's throw it at them and see what resonates. I like, I, I like that. I like that. That's a, that's a, that's a lot more. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like uh stop or, you know, showing up and throwing up. That's, that's pretty good too, but. Um, but no, I think that, that that's what a lot of folks deal with, right? Is number one, everybody has to buy insurance. So, you know, if you do enough volume of calls and of, uh, interactions, you know, you can find enough business out there. Sure. Um, but I think those that are truly developing a sales process, understanding how their buyers think going through some of the things you just mentioned of really putting in the work, uh, in and around their sales process are the ones that are going to have better discovery, are going to understand their clients better, and are going to ultimately be able to connect the client problem that they uncovered to the solution, uh, to the feature in your solution that might solve that problem. And I think that's the biggest difference, right? Is if we throw all the features at a client, it's overwhelming. They can't connect the dots in their head. They don't sometimes even know that they realize they had the problem that they right. do, right? Until you help them uncover it. Well, it, it, so we'll kind of go back to sales process because that, you know, so as we're, as I'm kind of unpacking this within IPFS, you know, sales process, I can't emphasize that more because that's just how my brain works. Like, hey, where am I at in the process? Do I need to go take a step back? And we break it down, you know, and we do, we, we have a strategic overlay model with our, with our payment side of the house, but, you know, essentially, essentially how we do it here and it's different everywhere. It was different where I came from as well, but we do it, uh, intro discovery, demo validation, onboarding. And, um, and then from there it's, it's activation. And so, but, but let me kind of take a step back. intro discovery, just those two components. Like I, I like to simplify things. I don't want to overcomplicate things and you can make things a with a sales process, really complicated. But really what we got our SEs to say is, first of all, be good at having a value proposition, like being able to imagine yourself at a conference, Elliot, you walk up to one of our salespeople and what are they, what are you, what are they going to say? What yeah. are they going to say that's going to differentiate IPFS? That'll uh, resonate with me or that person. Yep. Absolutely. What is, what is the, you know, what is the value props? What are the differentiators that you can, you know, high level drive interest? 
And then really from there, it's just get them on. A, let's get them on a call. And let's have a detailed dive in that. It's OK if we don't show them everything. It's OK to ask permission to say, hey, can we schedule another call? Because we think that we you know, really got our arms wrapped around this. I think we can really spend a little bit more time to show you how we can help solve these problems. It's OK to do these things and follow a process. But if you if you don't understand the process or the steps of a process, you're, you just never know where you're at. You're just you're you ended up you end up showing up and throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Totally. How much, I think one of the things that I've, I've heard, certainly, you know, I've felt this is sales folks. So that process can be perceived as taking longer and the client isn't want to going to spend that much time going to want to spend that much time with me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then like you said there, sometimes checking ourselves to say, Hey, I just did this discovery call or this demo and like didn't really get enough or the root to the root cause of what I know is there. You know, maybe you didn't you didn't ask the right questions. You ran out of time or whatever. But it's hard for people to ask for more time or to extend that sales process to get the right amount of information they need to figure out ultimately if their solution can benefit the client. What are your thoughts around that? And just you know, number one, I think it's a personal thing you got to really get over and understand that you know if you if you can't find that pain point, then there's really no point in presenting because you know you're not you don't know if the client even needs your product at that point. What are your thoughts around that and slowing that process down versus everybody wants the quick, you know, everything is technology sales is is viewed as like this needs to be, you know, a one page landing mm-hmm. page that people can just sign up on. And that I feel like that translates to everything or it needs to be fast. And yes, people want speed in the transaction. They don't always want speed in understanding if your product can work for them. So what are your thoughts there? Two words, free qualifications, what I call that. And what I mean by that and is if they don't want to spend more time with you, then how, how big is that problem they really want to solve? Yeah. Yeah. And I was at Killing Commercial, Producers in Paradise, Crothers event down yep. in Key West. And he, you know, if he listens to this, he'll kill me because I forget <laughs> I, I forget who came and talked on the sales feed. His, his <laughs> name escaping me. But who he who he had present that came in and Josh uh, jo- uh, Braun? Josh Braun. Josh Thank Braun. you. I knew yep. it was Josh, but it was Josh Braun. That's it. And Josh Brown's concept, this is the first time I've heard of this concept, and I thought the imagery was great, and it really stuck in my mind. In terms of sales, it's like riding a wave. You go out there to a beach and watch surfers. They're not going to catch every wave. They'll, and they may catch a half a wave, and they, they're going to have to fall off, and they know when to fall off. That's sales. Like, look, actively hmm. pursue everything, but you, you have to know when to walk away when you're wasting your time. Yeah. Free qualification. That was one of the biggest things I had to learn, you know, when I truly went into SaaS sales was – know where to spend your time. And and I call, if, if somebody else doesn't want to spend more time with you and you're trying to actively help solve a problem, it's free qualification for you. Pick up, you know, pick up the ball and go, uh, go somewhere else and uh, spend your time wisely. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great analogy. I'm glad you, you talked about that. And I think, you know, everybody feels like, and I don't know if it's a symptom of the industry and how we can sell a product to everybody that walks in the door, typically, but I think knowing who is the right target for you, who can benefit from your particular solution, not necessarily the insurance product, but whatever your value proposition is, and spend the time to understand if they fit that that mold, that that profile, you know, because again, you're you're not going to be able to be effective and know when to back off and say, hey, we may not be a fit, you know, so and so, or refer them to somebody else, or just say we're not a fit and move on to the next one that is a better fit. I think yeah. it's such an underutilized tool, I guess, or or skill set. 
it's that's that was that's probably the biggest hurdle of just knowing when you're you know how to how to spend who to spend your time on um and and the only way you do that is it, and of course the concept that work work even that was really beaten to us that i lo- i love it's uh med pick or medic uh i like med but the med pick they have the partnership so it's metrics it is economic buyer it is decision process, decision criteria, impact, which is pain, uh, competition, and champion. And the idea of a champion is: Have you cre- fostered such a relationship internally that they're helping you sell within? Yeah. Right. The whole concept of medic was: If you got all, and P was med pick was the partnership aspect of it. So you know you may you may have a third party partnership involved, uh, you know, helping you sell as well. But um, you know. The whole concept of Mepic was is just a compass for a deal. Yeah. You know, unless you really understand what are the metrics that matter, who's making the ultimate, you know, who's signing off, but what is their decision process? That's a big one. You know, yeah. who's involved in that decision? Um, and so pulling all these elements together is is not going to guarantee you to win the deal, but you got a whole heck of a lot better chance to do it. And you rule you will always understand where you're at and what you need to do next. And that could be for really small deals that, you know, I'm, we may close in 30 minutes on a 30 minute demo. I mean, you can still run through med pick in your mind yeah. and what you learn call, or it's, you know, something that takes a year. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think those frameworks are good for everybody to think about, you know, whether you use, you know, a pre-existing framework out there like that one or others, or make one up for yourself. Just have kind of a checklist in your brain that says, here's the things that I need to check off and make sure that I've gotten through or done or gathered this information or or whatnot so that I can check myself and where I'm at in the process and understand, you know, ultimately don't go into that presentation meeting until you either know that you've got a great shot at winning this deal or you know what you need to do next in order to win the deal. (laughs) You know, I mean, you shouldn't be going in and being like, I hope I get this, you know? Absolutely. That is a, and, and being comfortable to ask the questions if you don't, if you don't understand, you know, speak up. Uh, I, the other thing that I, I, the other fun exercise I like, you know, and this is like from a discovery perspective is silence. Right. Oh. Um, and uh, that shut up silence, man. <laughs> yeah. It, so our, our VP, our VP of sales, uh, Evan Mulligan, shout out if he ever, if he ever runs across this. So we would be on these deals and he's like, I call him like a Nick Saban type of sales. <laughs> And uh, we would be sitting on these calls. We're, I'm talking like BP, McDonald's, you know, uh, very large company, uh, Exxon, yeah. USA, like very, very large companies. And we'd be sitting on these calls and uh, he'd just be pinging. As I'm talking, as I'm talking and doing discovery and I'm talking, he'd sit there and be pinging, you know, shut the F up, shut the F up. <laughs> and then he created a game where it's like, just see how long you can be silent for, like for all of us. Like, and and he goes, cause if, inevitably, if you just become silent, somebody's going to want to speak. You know, you I ever, wanted you, to say something there. You like, feel you know? yeah. your chest. And, and the, the customer will do that. And, and a lot of times, you know, they may, they may be holding their cars closer to the best, but if you pull the silence trick on them, they'll just, you know, they'll, 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 they'll lay out some really key pieces of information. The, the other thing he used to do is when once a customer agreed, we always have a tendency to say, "Well, oh, and one more thing, yeah, <laughs> one more thing." I, I I didn't get to everything, I but you've already agreed. But I had this whole thing planned. I was going to show you more. He used to, Evan used to he used to ping ping, and he would just ping Billy Bean over again. Billy Bean, Billy Bean, Billy Bean, Billy Bean. 
Billy Bean. And like, you're, you know, ping, 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 and it's distracting you while you're talking. And what he was saying was in the movie Moneyball, when they say yes, hang up the phone. Yeah. So that was another thing. I, uh, some some things that I, I've tried to impress upon here where I, I have seen where the customer has said, yep, we're good. And then people are still talking. I'm like, why are, why are we still talking here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so true. And the silence one is, is magic. I mean, it, it, what I find people doing too, is particularly when they ask a hard question, which is usually the question you need to ask. That's when they want to talk because they don't want the the prospect to feel uncomfortable, you know? So if you're challenging their current relationship, you know, they don't want, they don't want that prospect to feel bad or whatever. So that they'll say, you know, well, how does your current relationship handle your renewal process? And are they doing this or whatever? And then the prospect is thinking about it for a second. And they're like, well, I mean, what I mean, though, is like if if, if they're doing that or, or, you know, how does that work for you? And it's like, just yep. let them sit there. They will tell you it'll be awkward, but you'll get a much better. Don't bail them out with some sort of a, of a response because you don't know if that's actually what they mean. Let them tell you. Right. And that's why good open ended question asking is key as well. Don't. When you ask a closed-ended question, they're going to answer it yes, no, or you know, give you a, a closed-ended response. When you ask an open-ended question and then shut up, they're going to elaborate, right? Because they're going to fill the silence. They're going to fill the gap. I've I've made it into yeah. We, I, I, you have to because I was the worst defender. The oh, worst qualifying. Still hard to do. It right, very much so. And I'll, every now and then I'll catch I'll catch myself. Uh, we use Gong uh, uh, as like a virtual note taker, so I, for sales coaching too, and. Uh, um, I, I'm, you know, I'll catch myself. I'm like, Oh, you know, or I didn't, you know, I didn't qualify or I didn't ask you know, a second, third level question, or sometimes I just, I didn't ask why, why does this matter? Uh, that's, that's another one, but you know, but yeah, I have to turn it into a game where I'll ask an open-ended question. And then I literally get into a mindset of where I just focus on how long can I be quiet? I'm not going to be the one I play, I'm just playing chicken. It has, it becomes a game. And if you turn it like that, it becomes a little less awkward. Um, yeah. The other one that I always find around question asking, and we we play games when we're role playing with this too, but uh, is asking multiple questions in one. You know, it's just, or at least two is, I mean, it's such a tendency. And then it's like, so we'll just say, which question would you like me to answer? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and it's just because it's so, you don't even realize that you're doing it, but a couple questions will come out and it, and, it's just ask your one stop pause. But I think it is that filling the silence thing as well, you know, but uh, I do it all the time. And what I'll do when I do it, I'll, I'll, and I'll catch myself and I'll say back up. Actually, let's start with this first question and move on to the next. And I, yeah, you you do get permission. And that's the other, like you kind of make, make me think about like the call. I think for all salespeople, that was another hurdle of just, being into the mindset that I own this call, you know, yes, bow down to the mm-hmm. client and prospect, but you really need to go into every call. I own this call. Like, yeah, this is how, this is how my sales process works. This is my, like, like, and I, and again, if this doesn't fit, uh, it could be a qualification issue, but I would tell you nine times out of 10, if you say, Hey, I'll tell you what we're going to do here, you know, really for you to get the most value out of this, we're going to spend this time just really understanding what your process is, what your pain points is. And then, you know, we'll layer in the medic stuff that I was, I was saying, and, and then we're going to, is it okay if we schedule another call to really get into a deep dive? And I, I think it's just that mindset of, I own this call. I own this process. 
Um, especially in a demo where a customer will say, well, hold on, hold on, show me this, show me this. You know, no, we're going to get to that. Yeah. We're going to get to that. But, you know, it's it's your call. You own it. Um, I think that's that's the other thing that um, it took me a little while as from a you know, novice salesperson. And, and, and the things that I try to impress upon here as well, too, is um, we tend to be at the beck and call of clients, which is great. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, like you, you own the call, you own the process and they should respect it. I 100 percent agree with that. And I think that comes along with having confidence in your solution and your value uh, to the client. And you know, have some conviction in knowing that if this client has this problem, if I don't bring them my solution, I'm doing them a disservice. Right. So I better do everything I can to find out if they have these one, two or three or pro- three problems that whatever I can solve um, and then go out and do everything you can to figure out every client that you or every prospect you work with, do they have these problems and don't stop until you do, you know, don't, don't let it get off into a weird weird lane that the prospect might want to take it down because you need to figure that out. And I think that's important. Too often we do, we look at it as like either, I think it comes from two perspectives. Like number one, we're just selling a product and I'm just trying to, you know, sling insurance policies out there or whatever. Uh, Or it's just, you know, it is lack of confidence in um, that solution or that value that it's bringing to the particular prospect or client. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't want to pick on people, but, but yeah, I tend to, the ones that give me the hardest time in terms of either the most ridiculous questions or just, or people, typically the people who don't have any decision authority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's yeah. typically my like first like red flag of like, okay, okay. What's what you're, you're, you're either you had a bad day, you're taking it out on me. Yeah. And, uh, typically is what I find, but uh, uh, I shouldn't say all the time. Yeah. I mean, and that's like, we talk, we talk about like this, like trusted advisor thing that that's, it's, yes, it's, it's generic and a lot of people say it, but it, there's so much truth in it. And I, I, I think we took the lifetime value of a customer in terms of increasing the longevity of a customer you know, value. I mean, it, it has to be a trusted advisor. I, I, I know no other way. Like I, I to be honest, you know, and, and this may discredit me, discredit me a little bit. I have never been in a role where I'm doing just all cold calls all day. I've cold call. Absolutely. But like, like a true, maybe like inside sales role. Um, But even then, when I look at that, when I look at that approach, it's still the same concepts I would bring to it. Cause I mean, that's even tougher because you got to, how do you foster a relationship over the phone or. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I think the same process applies. It's just condensed and there's certain techniques that you can implement within it that are slightly different, you know, but, but it, it goes back to all of this though. I mean, having it, well, I, I guess you you said it as in steps of the sales process. You you said it in steps. And I've been guilty of this too, where sometimes we put it into meetings. Well, mm-hmm. we have a three-meeting process. Ah, yeah. No, you don't. You have a three-step process and you right. shouldn't put it into meetings because you, that second meeting, you know, you might be going through your discovery and say that that's the, the discovery step. And, you know, you end up talking for an hour on one particular area that the client has and you run out of time. Well, you know, there's probably three or four other areas that you need to dive into. Schedule more time. That does, that means it's going to be another meeting. So typically, that's I'm glad you brought that up. You know, you're you're absolutely right. Like, it has to be a step, not meeting process, because a lot of times we'll get, I'll get, I'll get on a call, and it, it boy, I feel like we got everybody in the room we need here, and we'll do this great demo, and 
Susie or John will say, love it, but our CFO, you know, Pearl or who, you know, that's such a random name, Pearl, but <laughs> I don't know where I went with that. Yeah. I was going Earl and Pearl, Earl and Pearl, Earl or Pearl, or Pearl uh, really needs to see this to be able to, you know, for us to be able to make any decision. We would like for her to be on the demo. I mean, it's just a reset button. I mean, it is, you're, you are still in demo. We, we yep. have not, right. And then we see it a lot of times too, like on the validation piece, like, uh, so as we, I mean, we're doing complex payment solutions that are embedded in a third, you know, third party uh, platforms. Well, that sales process is a little bit, you know, yes, we can show the value uh, to the business. And then it's, they look, everybody looks to the IT guy and says, Hey, you need to go test this to make sure like what they just said works. Yeah. And we'll spend a month in, in IT testing it. what I call IT, it's our validation stage, but it's IT validation is what it is. And then um, understanding, okay, that now becomes, part of the decision process and uh, part of the, um, you know, part of the decision makers, if you will, and, uh, or, or influencers. Yeah. And so, yeah, to your point, like it can't be meetings and there may be, we may have seven meetings with IT while they're testing. Yeah. Uh, and we're still in validation. We may send agreements ahead of time during validation. Doesn't mean we're onboarding yet. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, everything has to be thought of in, in terms of steps. That's, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's, yeah, we've run into it, you know, when we're teaching our sales process to, you know, particularly younger salespeople, as though we call it a risk profile evaluation as our discovery stage. And, uh, you know, so they'll go out and do that meeting, mm-hmm. right? And so they'll say, yeah, you know, we're at the presentation, you know, step and, and whatnot. And I'll say, okay, well, what, what are the problems? Well, you know, they were, they were pretty buttoned up on the insurance. Okay. Well, what'd you talk about? You know, you start to ask, ask them questions about what their discovery was like. And it, you you could quickly tell that it stayed very high level. We didn't really get any, any meat to the conversation for whatever reason. And at the end of the day, you're still in discovery. Like you don't know anything about that client that is useful to determine what Mm -hmm. and how we should present a solution to them. And so stay in discovery, like just Say, hey, you know what? I'm not sure if we can be of value to you yet. I'd love to continue the conversation. I'd love to continue to dive deeper into your company um, and set it up that way. But the minute you go in and you present, if you're not prepared and you don't know what value you can bring, you've lost that opportunity down the road. You know, if you go in and you shoot for the stars yeah. and you're just trying to win it and they say no, they're not going to ask you back for a long time. Well, let me let me get your thoughts on this, because because I always felt this is like so in that scenario there. Buttoned up, right? Tight lip, playing their cars close to the vest. A tactic that, um, you know, that I've learned um, in my, uh, where I was at previously, and it boy, and I used it quite a bit. And it worked really well. Not getting anything, not getting any pain. And then finally, I just say, well, I don't understand that if there's no pain, there's no challenges. Why? Why are we having this conversation? It, you know, it sounds like that you, what you have is fine. Why are we having this conversation? And literally, and then, you know, again, it's called free qualification. They may say, I don't know why we're having this conversation. And <laughs> yeah, point, yeah. Stop wasting your time. Conversely, a lot of times you'll just, they'll go, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I'm sorry. You know, kind of going in, I don't want to say apology mode, but then they start to open up because you kind of called them out on it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, that's just a, a little a tactic that I think works really well in this in those scenarios because I think I've gotten to the point where to your point the confidence piece where I don't want to waste my time anymore yeah um, and if I've got people who don't you know don't want to be helped then yeah why, why am I, what are we doing 
what are we doing here? And I, I think having the confidence just to like, but you have to tactfully yes. call them. I, I've, I've heard of, I've heard uh, <laughs> from the individual I, I have learned that from. I, I've heard of tactics of closing the computer and just walking out the halfway, walking out the door and people saying, what are you doing? And saying, well, obviously you don't want to be helped. I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah, that's, that's aggressive. But, but uh, yeah, so no, I like the way that you said it. I mean, it is, you can be very nice and, and actually most people appreciate that. Like, cause there's some people that are like that, that are just like, okay, get through your stuff, get through your stuff. And then I'm going to tell you what we actually want to talk about, you know, why, right. why we're even sitting here. And so sometimes recognizing that and just asking, and they'll tell you, you know, and they'll mm-hmm. tell you, like you said, if it's a waste of time, then get the heck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Go on to the next one. And sometimes I like, and a lot of times this is the personality type that you got to read of the prospect. But, you know, if you get more of a commander, that that straight cut to the chase guy, like sometimes just asking them at the start, like, hey, well, what are we doing here? You know, why why are we having this conversation? What And, you know, they'll, they'll say, you tell me you're, you're in here and say, well, hey, you know, well, here's typically what I think about when I'm in these conversations. I just want to hear from you. Like, what are you guys experiencing? Why'd you take the meeting? You know, those are sometimes great opening just conversations to have. And sometimes they'll just cut right to the chase and tell you what the problems are. And you, you can start diving in from there, but you know, it's an art for sure. And I think we always talk internally about the science versus the art, right? And the science is designing your process and your steps and everything like that. And then go out and execute that. And in there, you're going to get better at the art, which is this reading people, understanding when do I need a challenge? When do I need to step back? When do I need to ask another question versus clarifying question? All that is the art of the conversation that you learn as you go. But the only way to do that is practice and practice, 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 take the at-bats. Yeah. And, and, and like uh, today, I think I did the the two question deal where I was like, uh, if, if you don't mind, we just run through some intros and then we can start to talk about like, and then I'm getting there like, okay, well, hold on. You want to do intros first? You want us to start talking? <laughs> I, I think I did that one today. I mean, you're, you're, you're constantly, you're always constantly trying to perfect yeah. and improve, but um, in terms of like, so when y'all do role play, just so I kind of ask you the question, are, do y'all do a lot of recording like re- recorded call like do y'all sit in together room and watch the film if you will so we have in the past mm-hmm. you know we've had a hard time doing the doing that with live calls mm-hmm. before obviously doing a lot of virtual we still try to get in person for a lot of our meetings if we can uh, especially our discovery we can't always do that but but we do try to we've gone so far though as to now start just recording those you know on a phone or yeah. we'll even take a little mic or something and hook it to a computer and so sometimes we'll go back and listen to those, but that is gold. If you can, if you can do it, that is amazing. Now, what we have done a ton is just the practice role playing. We obviously record, and then we'll even roll it right back and say, you know, here, here was a double question right here. You know, I didn't call you out on it, but like, you can hear it. And then the person's like, oh, shit, I, I can see how that sounds. You know, you don't, you don't realize it when you're talking. But yeah, what about you guys? I mean, I think it's it's a game changer when you do. We do. We use Gong. We've um... I, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. When my previous, like I said, a, a shout out to my old old, old boss at sales. But I'm glad we didn't have Gong there. We were getting torn apart every day, <laughs> uh, uh, which which is good. Which is what you need, right? Um, yeah. But we, we use Gong, and yeah, we we you know I do it for uh, now. I, I do it for sales calls, but uh, we have our, our customer success team has yeah. truly transitioned to uh, training and uh, training and adoption focus. And so like our onboarding calls, I, you know, I, I like to watch those and I even, you know, again, the same, this, uh, we've already sold, everybody's here to the table, you know, 
but customer success needs to be doing the same thing and they need to be understanding. I mean, yeah, I could type in, you know, here's what they value and everything, but, but here's what I, and I guess this brings up another good point. Anytime anybody's introduced into the process, anybody, the lowest level of staff or analysts, the question needs to be asking again, you know, or in that case, confirming here, this is what we've, this is what we've heard so far. This is why I like to say that we, this is what we've heard so far. Does everybody agree with this? And then nine times out of 10, they'll add more. Yeah. Right. They'll give you more gold. Uh, that's one thing I always learned. Like, like just because you had a successful call with a group of people the first time around, and then they want to add two more to the call. Those two more people may a be part of the decision process. Even if they're not they're, their perspective needs to be taken into account. And there's been some calls where we've done that, where we've just gone back over what we've heard in a previous call. And then like their team starts fighting. They're like, no, well, yeah. no. You know? and then you start to get a clearer picture. So, yeah. uh, you know, worst case scenario, everybody says, yeah, that sounds about right. And everybody moves on. Um, but some might, you know, it's just, it's always gold. To, to go back over everything, reconfirm anybody. One person is reintroduced or introduced into the process. Start back over. That's um, a, yeah, that's a phenomenal tip right there. And I think when you, you do it, you also give the people that have been in the call, the, the chance to clarify or, or anything that you might've misheard or misunderstood, you know, even though you're asking the two new people, it's going to give the folks that you've already been in there, that opportunity to say, well, Hank, Chase, actually what, I'm, what we were talking about there was this and, Bob, you know, you know that we're dealing with that and, you know, it gives them that opportunity to do as well and get on the same page. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I'll go back to customer success in terms of kind of like post-sales training and adoption. Like this is all about relation. I don't care what anybody says, process numbers, whatever uh, it's relationships. Like um, it is, it is is the, I think back about the biggest sales that I made. It happened because I was able to foster a champion um, a true champion, someone who willing to go to bat for me internally um, may have you know, inf- has influence over the person who signs or or that economic, you know, that economic buyer may be may, may be the champion themselves. But but nevertheless, relationships, no need to overcomplicate it. Yep. And so from a customer success perspective, it's it's OK. You've been handed off to me. I, I, it's, I need to take this ball, pick up this ball and run with it. I've got to form a relationship with you. All of your managers, you know, as you, as the staff come on to get trained, all of your managers said these are the things that would need to be done, but they really need to get their perspective of everybody's going to use it because again, those are the people you're going to you're going to be in the trenches with, and yeah. they got a relationship. So it's again, it's it's almost like starting a sales process over again. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, um, kind of before we wrap up, I want you to dive into IPFS just just briefly. You know what you guys do. Uh, what you're seeing out in the market right now, uh, some of those, you know, customer problems that you're helping to solve. I think I know you guys are doing a ton of innovative stuff. So I just want to make sure that you get an opportunity to talk through that and, um, you know, kind of walk through some of the stuff you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with the comment of, you know, IPFS is not your parents' premium finance company. <laughs> promise. Yeah. And and really, I'm, I'm going to talk about and done. So IPFS, I, we, we, everybody knows, is the stalwart in the premium finance uh, world. Um, and if you haven't seen what IPFS has done on the premium finance technology side in a long time, by God, come on, let's 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 have a conversation. What really I think starts to differentiate IPFS from others is is really the foresight that we had early on in creating and done as a payments company. It is a separate company. It is, um, we have over 50 developers doing nothing but building payment solutions. Wow. They have no premium finance, nothing, nothing related. 
we are geared on wanting to be the industry standard in payments and and that's through and done and it, it's it's interesting because we have kind of a multiple brand strategy because ipfs again it, it helps it's a lot of brand equity but if i'm trying to go in and replace stripe and paypal and be this innovative company why, why is this premium finance company here yeah. to be able to talk to me right yeah. um so what ipfs has effectively done in the most simplified form has created this conduit for innovation for payments. So a way to, in an agile manner, I'm going to use a buzzword there, your business bingo, be able to build um, and focus on building the best payment solutions in the market. Meanwhile, the development team over here on the IPFS side is worried about building the best loan management premium finance system in North America, right? Um, and now we get to combine those two things together because Andon is processing all the payments for IPFS. Yeah. Um, and what you now you say, well, there's a lot of payment companies out there. Oh, it is. It's hyper competitive out there. It's hyper competitive. What makes us different? What makes us different is the infrastructure. Um, so what is backing us is a 700 person company, um, a 30 branch office. So we're at 30. I was going to say 31, 30 branch office infrastructure. And when you call about a painful, it's on our rails. You call about a premium finance payment. It's on our rails. There are a lot of you know things that these payment companies are doing in terms of, and we get calls every day. Can you come and integrate with our payments company? Yep. That's great. But you want to collect the down. That's fine. But you also want to collect all the installments too. Well, who do I call if I have a if something happens yep. with one of the installment payments? Am I calling the payments company? Am I calling the premium finance company? If you call me, the premium finance company, I got to go call this other payments company. It's a. It, a lot of it's a it's a service <laughs> a lot of and, and I, get yes. I get it from the perspective of like these payment companies and these new tech companies that are popping up that are just a tech layer built on top of four different you know four or five different yeah companies. i get that i respect that I, and i respect what they're doing and driving innovation but our, our goal really is to sit back and build it better build it within our rails be able to provide an excellent customer experience and at the end of the day do it in a cost efficient way because our payments company gets to process 20 billion off the bat before we even turn the lights on, we get to pass those benefits down to the, to the customers. So yeah. we don't have to nickel and dime on refund and chargebacks and all this, right? And so we really do think that, you know, we can take, because because of that, we, we can take a hit, you know, a slight hit on margin because we do think it's a value add as when you look holistically at what we're doing. So what does that mean? What does I say? So you're doing the payments company. So everybody probably is thinking in their mind, ePay and simply, you know, and um, yes, we have hosted solutions, but what we're doing that's different in the market, we have embedded components that can be live on a third party site that not only does payments like Stripe Element would be an mm -hmm. example of that. Mm -hmm. But we've built premium finance into that. So imagine embedding that same component onto a third-party platform that has the ability to do both pay in full and premium finance and be able to facilitate that workflow without ever leaving that site. Oh, yeah. Complete checkout experience without ever going to IPFS.com ever. Yeah. If you have a customer portal and you really want to drive traffic into your customer portal, but they have agreed to premium finance, why do you want to go to IPFS.com? Why not? We just put our embedded solution in there. And then when they log into their, their login, they just make their subsequent installment payment there. And the widget loads up with that, right? Well, what about endorsements? Like, why why do we need to go to IPFS.com to handle endorsements? You know, why can't a customer just do it directly from a customer portal? You know, so mm -hmm. we've got endorsement APIs, you know, with a logic built for all 50 states, you know, to do additional premium on loans and or, or it doesn't qualify, you know, pay in full. Hmm. So it's starting to really think of... In, how do we better facilitate embedded this embedded insurance trend that isn't yep. going anywhere? And um, but we're doing it in a way that is yes, it's it's 
IPFS, but it's really and done. It's really the 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 payments innovation of the company and done that IPFS is white labeled. Yeah. And we're going to have other customers that are going to white label this and done platform. And we don't care if our names on it or not. We, you know, we, we want to just be able to be, be a, a, you know, a best in class payments and premium finance provider. Yeah. Totally. Well, and I think it gives control back to even at the agency level, control back to that client experience, right? Which we traditionally don't have even in the, in the direct bill. I mean, I've even heard of firms, you could probably speak to this better, obviously firms that are going away from direct bill to a degree yep. and going the finance route or just a, a payment solution route to better handle or, or better control the client experience around payments because yep. the carriers, you know, at the end of the day that we have zero control over how they're going to bill it, when they're going to bill it. You know, I know that it's on a payment schedule, but you know, we all have had those horror stories of clients getting notices of cancellation or just whatever it is. And so all those things, I think, necessitate a different way to look at it. And the stuff you guys are doing allows for that. Well, you know, here we are working in the insurance industry. And, and you talk about the notice of cancellation. I, you know, speaking of, and I hear it all the time where I, I'll call, we have some customers that go out there and they, they'll cheat on us and, and they'll, you know, try some of these newfang- the newfangled tech platforms. And um, uh, just, you know, and I get it. I, I, I understand. But then they quickly come back and they say, well, I've had a funding. We don't know where the funding is. You know, it's been, I've been calling for three days. They're trying to figure out where it is. Whereas opposed to like, we talk about notice of cancellations, our, our good friend Brothers, um, he, uh, we had, we, we actually in that same trip at Key West, <laughs> we, we show up there and he's like, hey guys, Mike, we just got a notice of cancellation for this particular insured. Everything should have been paid up. And we're like, you know, WTF, five minute phone call. It's done. We figured it out. We we did the audit trail back to April. We understand what happened with the payment. You know everything reinstatement. We're good to go. No problem. Let's let's continue mm. to. Have yeah, but that but that's because it's on our rails. We didn't have to call. Hey, could you call so and so at you know FIA? I don't call FIA, but yeah. you know a, a third party payment processor, right? Yep. And and you know they oh they're out of office. Okay, well who else can we talk to? Yeah, totally. That, well, awesome, dude. I uh, this has been fun. Um, if folks want to learn more about you ipfs what's the best way to get a hold of you and you know learn more about what you guys are doing yeah uh reach me at chase.courtney at ipfs.com or chase at andone.com so <laughs> depending if you're just really hell-bent on payments or, or you want to learn about payments and preview finance uh, there you go. so uh yeah i appreciate it elliot that's awesome it's always fun geeking out with you man yeah totally agree so we'll have to do it again sometime and i'm sure we'll see you around here at some of the conferences and stuff coming up. So absolutely, buddy. We'll see you on the on the conference tour. Appreciate it, man. All right, thanks, Elliot. Thank you for tuning in to Getting Past the Premium. We are excited to continue breaking down barriers and finding solutions together. If you would like to reach out regarding anything you heard in today's episode, find links and contact info in the description. Until next time, have a great day.